and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Emma. And my name's Josh. And this week, thankfully, because I'm full of cold, Josh is hosting the episode, so I'll let him just take it away. So this episode's slightly different from our usual format, as the day after this one releases, it will have been one whole year from when we released our first episode. Woo! Which is mad to think, because it partly doesn't feel that long, but also feels like we've been doing this for quite some time. In that year, we've learned a lot about podcasting, how to record, getting better equipment, but we've still got a lot to learn moving forward and can hopefully move the show onto new heights. But in the present, I think it's only right that we celebrate this milestone in what I truly believe to be the best way possible, a little tour of Liverpool's most haunted pubs. Now, even if we weren't doing this for the podcast, this is literally my ideal Saturday without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Visiting some of Liverpool's oldest and most characterful pubs while also enjoying some of the delicacies that they have on offer. A posh <laughs> way of saying I'm going for a pint. <laughs> so for this celebratory pub crawl, we have compiled five pubs that we're going to visit in and around Liverpool city centre. So if you're ever in the area, then you'll be able to walk to them. On Google Maps, the furthest one away is allegedly a 25-minute walk from... I've based this from Lime Street for anyone who's not coming in from... Liverpool Central. Yeah, because if we got the train in, we go to Liverpool Central. But if you're coming in from out of the city, you're probably going to Lime Street. Yeah. On the way to and from the pubs, you'll see many different sites, such as St. Luke's Bombed Out Church, which we've spoken about previously about the Christmas time paranormal abduction, which I don't think I've told the full story of, but it is in the works. I have something written down for that. <laughs> you'll also see the likes of the Anglican Cathedral and St. James's Cemetery, and they are both a hotbed of spooky goings on. You'll also go past the best Greek restaurant in the world. Zorba's. It is a good Greek restaurant. <laughs> Whether it's the best is... I haven't tried all of them to confirm, but it is very good. So the first pub we're going to be visiting is in the Georgian Quarter, which boasts some of the prettiest streets you'll ever see with the cobblestone, dim street lamps and opulent gardens. Yeah, it's gorgeous. All in all, these are all well worth a visit if you get the chance. Just to pique your curiosity even further, we will be going over why each pub on our list is one of the most haunted in Liverpool. And we'll also be posting pictures on social media so that you can reference each part of the podcast to what the place actually looks like. And if you're listening on Patreon, we'll also be uploading some exclusive videos as part of the pub crawl episode, including the interiors of the the places we visited. So, pub number one. Located on Edgerton Street... This is the pub I was mentioning earlier, which is around 25 minutes from Lime Street Station, the main train station coming into Liverpool. A pub has operated on this site since as early as 1840, but over the years it's seen extensions and renovations, the most prominent of which came from Mr Peter Cavanna himself, who was the licensee and the namesake of this pub, and he was there from 1897 right through until 1950. In 1929, Cavanna remodelled the pub, which was originally called The Grapes, to his own eclectic taste, bringing in an array of quirky design features that make this one of the most standout drinking spots in Liverpool. These include mural-cladded walls that were painted by the Scottish artist Eric Robinson, 
wooden benches with carved caricatures into them, one of them which is alleged to be of Peter Gavanna himself, and a host of other painted gadgets that the licensee invented, which includes quick-release tables with little ashtrays that are mounted on them that would contain water to extinguish cigarettes. In the modern day, the pub still boasts its characterful charm and has many of the original features from the 1929 remodel, despite being extended a couple of times since. It also has a collection of curiosities that hang from the ceiling and live upon the shelving, reminding drinkers of a bygone era, or potentially allowing the spirits that roam to continue to feel relevant. Peter Cavanagh's is renowned as being one of the most haunted pubs in Liverpool and has a number of stories to tell, which, of course, we are going to share with you today. When first opening in around the 1840s, it is alleged that a seance was held in the parlour of what is now the pub, Peter Cavanagh's. Once a popular pastime and seen as harmless fun, seances were frequently held with the aim of contacting spirits who may be present in the room but not seen by the eyes of the living. Participants would hope to make contact with a lost loved one, to give them their final goodbyes or relay a reassuring message. But on that particularly bleak night back in the 1800s, the seance at Peter Gavanagh's did contact a spirit, yet it wasn't the type that anyone on the table was hoping for. Thankfully for them, the spirit remained unseen to the eye, but upon scanning the candlelit room, Flames would dance against the walls as though a brush of wind had just gone past them. Creaks and noises began to sound, as though someone or something was treading carefully yet quickly across the uncovered wooden floors. That was until the medium conducting the ceremony got a message of the creature's identification. Marmaduke. As soon as the name was uttered, To the rest of the group, crashes and bangs were heard around the room, smashes of pictures falling to the floor and door frames being rattled. Whatever this thing was, it still could not be seen, yet it was making its presence known. In a flight of terror, the seance was closed off and the party hoped this would bring an end to the spectral noises. It didn't. The fear-inducing noises intensified. More miscellaneous objects from around the room vandalised or thrown from its place. That was enough for the macabre curious group, who bolted to the door, pulling it back with force and escaping the scene of the seance. As they made it outside, the glow of the candles still shone through the window panes, with the participants now in what they believed to be the relative safety of outside. Fighting off the brisk Liverpool night air, The group dared to peer through the glass to see if anything had appeared or if the room had at least calmed down. The bravest member of the group looked through the glass. Seeing a familiar scene of a wooden table with a white cloth adorning it, chairs scattered in a frenzied fashion showing the remnants of the party's escape and a wash of candlelight from the multiple tiny wax towers that were dotted across the room. All looked calm no bangs or movements. A relief was beginning to wash over the peeping party member, when they noticed that all of the flames and the candles simultaneously began to grow in size and ferocity. Then, within a few seconds, all of the candles in the building were extinguished, at the exact same time by what looked like a strong breeze gliding through the room. The crowd dispersed, clearly not closing off the portal between Marmaduke and the land of the living, 
It is said that as a result of this seance that went wrong back in the 1840s, Marmaduke still haunts the walls of Peter Cavanagh's today. So if you ever do find yourself in there, listen out for the creaks and the bumps coming from the walls. You may just be hearing the calls of a malevolent spirit. A further tale that comes from a more modern age, so modern in fact that there is video evidence of such on YouTube, is the Haunted Scouse YouTube channel. They did an investigation in Peter Cavanagh's around two years ago and released their findings which I will link in the description for anybody who is interested. One of the most interesting points I got from this is that early in the video the landlady, Rita, who shared her experience of when a customer's dog came into the pub. The dog was clearly uneased by something and it eventually stood and walked towards an empty bench chair and began barking. Nothing could be done to ease the dog back to calmness and eventually the owner decided to leave, giving the other drinkers a bit of peace. But on his return a number of days later, the dog also accompanied him. Again, the dog initially sat next to his human, behaving well, but after around 20 minutes stood and walked to the same empty bench seat where he began to bark at seemingly nothing. However, on this occasion, a trainee medium happened to be drinking in the pub and was intrigued by the dog's strange behaviour. Focusing in on the area, the medium then announced to the bar that there is in fact a little girl sat on that bench seat, playing with a stick and hoop. The dog's incessant barking was not at the spirit, but in fact out of frustration as the dog wanted the stick the girl was playing with, but of course couldn't get it as he was only witnessing a spirit. When the haunted scouts conducted their investigation, they caught some very interesting footage. One spectacle was of a music box that was placed on a table with a camera pointing at it from some distance. During the course of the night, an unseen force moved the box from its position around the table. Whether that unseen force was the spirit of the little girl, or the more sinister Marmaduke, is as of now undetermined. Oh, the poor dog, he just wanted to play. Yeah. I liked it in that pub. Yeah, it was really nice. And that was the first time I've ever been in there yeah, as well. Same. I've wanted to go in for a while. We went, found it, like, well, I've heard about it before, but then found it one, we were just walking around, like, the Jordan yeah, Quarter yeah. one day, weren't we? And we seen a cat as well called Luna that day. Yeah, <laughs> which is very important to the story. It is very important. But yeah, that pub's lovely, and I'll put pictures of it, because it, it is lovely. Yeah, it's the furthest away, but definitely worth the trip out of town. You walk past, as I mentioned, the Anglican Cathedral, yeah. uh, St. James's Cemetery, into the Georgian Quarter, which has been on many, many TV shows, because it's still very yeah. very old-fashioned, but very pretty. Um, but yeah, definitely worth a visit. Moving on to our next pub, we're taking around a 10 minute walk to the Philharmonic Dining Rooms. This is one of the prettiest pubs that Liverpool boasts. Located on Hope Street, it was built in around 1900 for the Keynes Brewery and designed by local architect Walter Thomas. This is definitely one of the pubs you will want to see the pictures of as the flamboyant exterior design does not stop as you walk through the grand doors into what is referred to as the drinking lobby from which a number of smaller drinking rooms stem off of. From its inception, the pub was designed to be a more upmarket than your working class establishment that can be found in in most parts of the city. 
<laughs> this yes, this can be seen in the exquisite detailing and, quite frankly, some of the nicest men's toilets I've ever seen. <laughs> and I did get a picture of it, but it's blurry, so I'll also Google a picture to show you. That's not the ghost. <laughs> it's, it isn't a ghost. It's because I was trying to take a picture while no one was in there. And <laughs> as I was taking a picture, someone tried to walk in. So it's a bit blurry. The girls' toilets aren't... Like, they're nice, but they're nothing to write home about. They're just toilets. And I will tell you why. <laughs> but what is it that attracts the fill, as it is known to the regulars, to our haunted pub crawl? There are a couple of supposed encounters that make many patrons who enter the doors of this former gentleman's club believe it is haunted. And that's why the girls' toilets are a bit shit, because it was a former gentleman's club. <laughs> they're not shit, they're nice. They've got, they've got basically the same tiles we have in the kitchen. And they've got a nice photo on the wall of like flappers but they've got like the bums out but um yeah i want to see the men's toilets i've only seen them on google i'll have to see him one day you could pass for a man like oh my god (laughs) moving back to the haunted aspect of the pub one of these is a seemingly innocent man who can often be found sat at the bar he'll be chattering away to himself in a way that can often be associated with growing older and found in the pits of loneliness. He converses with his pint, putting the world to rights and getting his opinion heard by a half-empty glass. But should you feel pitiful for the man, a sense of camaraderie that fellow drinkers shouldn't be alone, you will find it immensely difficult to go over and speak to him. That will be because he isn't there. (laughs) The tale goes that should you see this man sat at the bar and proceed to approach him, the ghost will begin to fade as you near, not wanting to burden the living with his woes from beyond the grave. Oh, well, why does he sit there then? Well, I, I can't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> if you approach him, he disappears. I know. Oh. Another encounter is one that you would certainly notice if you've seen it, but one that has been reported by quite a few customers. It is the apparition of a clown that allegedly strolls into the pub in what would be considered in the modern day to be an outdated costume. The character then proceeds to wreak havoc upon the staff and drinkers in the circus-style humour that one would expect, knocking objects over and generally being a bit silly. But when one of the victims of the prank has inevitably had enough, the clown struts off either into another room or back out through the main doors. With the aggravated party in tow, they soon succumb to bewilderment as the comical figure simply vanishes without explanation or trace. The identities of these apparitions are not known, but it does make you wonder, is the old man a lost patron revisiting for one last drink? And the clown may be party entertainment from a bygone era and for whatever reason they couldn't leave. If you do have a visit and somehow get the chance to speak with one of these ghosts, then please do let us know. Yeah, I, I, I feel sorry for the man, but the clown that just pissed me off would just be annoying. Yeah, I think if you find it very hard to miss that. Um, there's not too many details on that one, but the building itself is very, very old. Yeah. I can't. I can see there being more spirits in there, yeah. but there's not many sort of listed or, or, or shown. Because the Shiverpool tour starts there as well. It does, yeah. In, fa- in fact, I've actually forgot what, if they had anything to say on the matter. I can't remember if they do. Yeah. So, moving on to our next pub. For our next stop, we'll be taking a 13-minute walk downhill 
passing an intersection with Rodney Street, which has been used as a set for many period dramas and also the home of Mackenzie's Crypt. Oh, yeah. We'll be passing by St. Luke's bombed out church, gutted by an incendiary bomb in the Second World War, and famous for the Christmas time abduction story, which I mentioned earlier, and I will be covering it on a later date. Heading further downhill, we'll be going the full length of Bold Street, another historic landmark in Liverpool, and the home of one of the most famous paranormal stories in the city, the Bold Street time slip. I love Bold Street, it's so nice. Yeah. Never went back in time yet, though. Mm, tried not to. <laughs> the climax of this 13-minute walk brings us to the old post office. There is a sort of off-the-main-road in the quieter back streets of School Lane, just behind the main shopping areas of the city. The history of the pub is pretty difficult to ascertain, but what is for certain is that it's a very old building and most probably a post office at some point, considering <laughs> The road next to it is called Old Post Office Place. Yeah. The exterior and interior decoration is probably a step down from the likes of the Philharmonic, which we have just been to, but still a very welcoming feeling. Further to this, the old post office used to function as a hotel with various rooms in the above floors for guests to stay in. And this is where the pub gains its spooky reputation. It is said that during the overwatch of Thomas and Annie Henshaw in the early 1900s, a terrifying secret was uncovered. Upon settling in to begin their management at the pub, Annie was upstairs in the hotel section of the building, having a general spruce up and move around of some furniture. It was getting late into the Friday afternoon, and she was wary that she would have to make her way back downstairs shortly to help her husband on the bar as the influx of workers came in to celebrate the end of the working week. Annie set her sights on moving one final chest of drawers before calling it a day. She positioned herself in a stance of power to use all her might to budge the wooden furniture out of the way and after three bouts of force, the pine lump scrapes across the unprotected wooden floor, leaving a streak of freshly uncovered timber. Annie inspected the damage on the floor with a hint of anger, but also anxiety that she would have to tell her husband about the damage that now needed fixing. Although that cocktail of feelings didn't last too long, as something else caught Annie's attention. She noticed some elaborate framework that came upwards from the skirting board and stopped just before the top of the chest of drawers. Within that frame was a door, clearly not big enough for an adult to walk through, but certainly one could cut, crawl through it. What piqued Annie's curiosity, however, was the lock on the door. Somebody had stuffed it full of putty. The residue hanging out of the keyhole was rock hard and would be a task in of itself to get out. Annie was then startled out of her investigation as she heard her name being shouted from the bottom of the stairs. It was time for her to head back down to an evening behind the bar. But the thought of that door would not leave her, so once the crowds had died down, she approached a few of the regulars who had been drinking in the pub for a number of years, preceding Annie and Thomas's ownership. She explained exactly what had happened and where she had found the odd doorway and what she was told in turn sent a tingle down her spine and the hairs on her arms to stand on end. Sat by the light of numerous well-used candles, the drinkers who were battle-hardened from spending many years in the pub gave grave warning against trying to open the door. 
Tales of someone or something trapped in there that should not be freed were exchanged. Tales that Annie took heed of and decided that the best thing to do was cover the thing back up with the chest of drawers. Weeks passed by with the thought of the door beginning to fade from Annie's consciousness. A friend of the Henshaws was coming to stay in the pub for a couple of nights while on business in Liverpool. Without a second thought, he was given the room with the hidden door to stay in, but late into the first night, after the three had spent some time catching up over a few drinks, Annie had let slip about the mysterious door that lay behind the drawers. Annie pleaded with the man not to investigate the door any further, and he solemnly promised to do so, not wanting to insult his hosts. But that promise was a lie, and during the depths of the night, when everyone else had retired to bed, the guest headed to work on the lock. Using the end of a small knife to scratch away at the putty. It was a long and strenuous effort, but he eventually cracked the obstruction. Sitting back a minute to let his knees rest, the curiosity of the man then took over and he headed straight back to look through the keyhole into the shadowy room. He closed his left eye and neared his right eye to the metal keyhole. Edging closer, his face soon felt the cold sensation of metal on his skin. But as soon as the man had affixed his gaze onto whatever was in the room, he flew back across his bedroom in a fashion of pure fear. Landing on his back, the man began to foam from the mouth. The commotion had woken the henshaws and they burst through the main door of the room. In seeing their friend on the floor, they rushed to his aid. Thomas grabbed the crook of the man's neck, stopping any further banging of his skull on the floor, while Annie noticed from the corner of her eye that the chest of the drawers had been pulled from the wall using the same track of damage that she had created the last time. But the only difference now was the remnants of the protective putty were littered across the floor and the keyhole was unobstructed. She instinctively shoulder barged the drawers back over the door, covering the keyhole and shielding the doorway from view. It is said that following the incident, doctors saw to the guest, but he never made sense again. His speech was frantic and garbled, as though trying to warn of a threat but unable to communicate it. Combining this with the fit of behaviour, that saw the man seemingly shielding himself from someone or something unseen. He was committed to a mental health asylum, where he was to spend the rest of his days. In the modern age, the old post office no longer operates as a hotel to the public, but hopefully they have covered that doorway to stop whatever is in there harming anybody else. Why did they tell him about it if they didn't want him to look? Because... He shouldn't have looked and he shouldn't have moved the putty because one, if he's scratching at a door at night, he's going to wake everyone up and two, we got told not to. But if someone said to me, don't go in that room, I would go in that room. Two points, I guess. Dutch courage took me uh, remember this fact. You, you, you don't know. Yeah, when you chat it when you've had a drink. You do anyway. <laughs> um, and two, some people, if they're told not to do something tend to do it that's what i mean like why did they tell him because they know he would have done it well maybe they hoped he wouldn't maybe they hoped he had some sense clearly he didn't but maybe they hoped so if someone told you about a room you'd go in it um probably not i was 
You just said you wouldn't. No, when I first said I would. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I said you. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I can't place the man's thoughts. Maybe he had a bit of Dutch courage, and he was thinking, "Oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out what's in there. I'm gonna have a fight." So I think they were really in the wrong for telling him because they shouldn't have told him, and then he wouldn't have done this. <laughs> well. But then he shouldn't have betrayed his guests. But. If someone tells you to do to not do something, and they're hiding something, they could be hiding a million pounds. You don't know. You want to find out. Mm, yeah, potentially. Mm. What did you think of the old post office in general? I thought it was quite. It was very busy. It, yeah, I think we've been before, and it wasn't that busy, and I didn't mind it then. But I was drunk at that time. But this time, it wasn't bad. It it wasn't a bad pub. It was just really busy. Yeah, it's. It is a step down after going to the likes of yeah. Peter Cavanaugh's and the Philharmonic. It's not as chill as the others. I know the others were the others were busy, but this is just yeah a bit loud and yeah. If you want a quiet drink, I wouldn't go there. Mm. And you can tell that a lot of people haven't heard of like ghost stories and stuff in there. They're just there because it's like close to everything. Yeah, and it's it's not a place that is trying to embrace its historic culture no, or anything like that. No. It's just a sort of chain pub trying to fit in. It's all modernised, really, isn't it? Yeah. Still, it's still not a bad pub to go yeah, to. It's, it's a nice pub. If you're passing, definitely call in, but it's it's not as nice as the other ones no, we've been I, to already. No, I, I, like, I like Peter Cavanaugh's and... Philharmonic. Phil, I was going to say the Everyman, then. But yeah, the Philharmonic. The Philharmonic is opposite the Everyman, yeah. so if you do come to Liverpool to see a show in the Everyman, that pub is just over the road, so it's a great place to go to. Yeah. I should be on the booking Liverpool tourism board at this and point. And there's nice restaurants down that end as well. Oh, no, the refinery's short. Never mind. I mean, there is other nice there restaurants. There is other nice ones, there. but I like that one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Our penultimate visit on this haunted pub crawl of Liverpool, which I guess has also evolved into a bit of a general sightseeing tour, takes us on a nine-minute walk from the old post office. We'll head onto Church Street, which is adorned with a plethora of shops. But most notable is the old M&S building, Compton House, that has stood on the street since the late 1860s in its current form but was devastated by a fire in the early 1860s, which is said to have left a paranormal aftermath in its wake. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll mention that on another day as well. And um, you can, if you're coming from Blue Coasts in Liverpool and you're walking down like this little alley, you can smell lush from the alleyway. Yeah, so on the map, will you be... I, I'll try and get a map to show, but basically... That is like two minutes. The big lush shop in Liverpool is two minutes away from the old post office. And it smells amazing. It does. We stopped and looked in the window because we're poor, so we couldn't afford anything. But yeah. <laughs> Not all rock and roll over here. <laughs> so we'll move further forward through Lord Street, up past the Victoria Monument, which is said to be the site of the ancient Liverpool Castle. Finally, past the end of Castle Street, named for the above reason apparently oh I didn't know that <laughs> and onto Fenwick Street where we find the slaughterhouse aptly named due to his its historic positioning near an abattoir this is said to be one of Liverpool's oldest pubs with roots back as far as 1839 today the pub is outfitted with a rustic yet modern interior that is fit for the hordes of people that still grace the few steps up to its front door with such a long-standing history in the city it is clear that there will be numerous reports of spooky goings-on within the walls of this pub. 
In more recent times, an owner of the pub has reported to the Liverpool Echo that there is not so much of a specific apparition that can be seen, but it is a pub where you do not feel alone. There may be scuffle from a dark corner behind you, or sound of laughter coming from across the room. Potentially memories of drinkers gone by that are engraved into the exposed brickwork echoing into the land of living. The slaughterhouse is also featured on TV's Most Haunted, where Yvette Fielding allegedly did come into contact with a specific spirit who went by the name of Albert. Albert told the team that he once looked after the horses outside the pub, but met his untimely end when he was pushed down the stairs to the cellar one evening. Other tales tell of a historic landlord in the slaughterhouse that plies his trade in the butchering industry before moving on to serve beers and pies. It is rumoured that his pies were the best in the city and people would flock from all over to sample the fine ales and even better pastries. One evening, following the closing of the pub, the landlord was startled by three knocks at the door and retaliated with a stern, we are closed, go away, but the knocks persisted and so the door was flung open by the landlord, ready to unleash his wrath on whomever was so bold as to be pestering him. He was greeted with the dainty figure of a well-dressed man who proceeded to give the landlord a proposition. Hearing of the immense pies that the landlord could make, the stranger asked if he could order one pie in exchange for a bag of gold coins. The only thing was that the pie had to be made from the meat supplied by the stranger. The landlord questioned what type of meat he would be working with, but the stranger remained secretive about its origins, exclaiming that the price he would pay for the pie would make the landlord a rich man. Greed took over and the landlord agreed to bake the elusive meat into a pie. The kitchen was reopened, the stranger sat down by the dowsing fire and given a tankard of ale. The landlord cooked the meat in his usual way tasting the end product just before serving the pie to the stranger to ensure its quality. The meat was tasteful and succulent. The stranger ate the pie slowly but in a refined and enjoyed manner. When he finished, he left the landlord his bag of gold coins and left without a further word. The landlord was overjoyed with his newfound wealth and decided to remain closed the following day to celebrate. However, the bright morning that followed the celebrations brought harrowing news. A body had been found of a young lady who had been murdered nearby. The majority of the body had been left present on the scene, apart from chunks of flesh that had been grotesquely removed from the abdomen. Instantly, the landlord knew what had happened and began to vomit. The stranger had brought him human flesh to bake into a pie. The landlord had even tried some of the meat before serving it. The guilt and humility was too much for the landlord to bear, and it is said that he took his favourite butchering knife and ended his own life. So, if you're brave enough to visit the slaughterhouse, then listen out. You could hear the echoes of a time gone by, or maybe even meet the remorseful landlord if you're unlucky enough. I was about to say, oh my god, I'm getting Sweeney Todd vibes when you first mentioned I, the past. That's why when I was reading it, I just read quickly through it because I knew you were about to butt in and fucking ruin the end of the story. <laughs> Even though you hadn't heard that story, I knew what you were about to but, do. But saying that the man shouldn't have felt guilty because he didn't kill her, he just made the pie and he got money for it. That's just what butchers do. Yeah. Everyone has different tastes. 
okay, but cannibalism is like a different kettle of fish. And I know people have their own views on eating meat, and that's fine. Yeah. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But I think everybody draws the line on humans. Yeah, I feel sick when you mention cannibals, even though I like, like the Hannibal films and that. But I wouldn't have killed myself for it, though. I was just enjoyed my wealth and just moved on. I would have felt sick for days and probably wouldn't have eaten for days. <laughs> but... I probably would never have ate meat again either. Okay, so there's a, a quick revelation for everyone. Emma is okay with cannibalism. I'm not okay with cannibalism. I'm just... He didn't murder her. And he could have had a nice, wealthy life. Um, I like that pub, though. Um, we didn't. We only had one drink in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. I've been, we've been before, but I can't really remember. Yeah, we have been before. There's also a comedy club downstairs. The Laughter House. Called The Laughter House. Um... Yeah, it, it's definitely worth a visit if you're down that end. It's it, it's quite modern. It's it's still got character and, and yeah, it's, it's got old chairs. Yeah, it but does. A bit old style. Yeah, but I think it's sort of old style for a modern purpose. It, yeah, it, it, it's it's a decent pub. Really, really good. Just go to it, but it's not. It's not as characterful as some others, maybe. There was quite a few young people in what I thought. Like in the others, there wasn't that many young people, but yeah. in this one, there was. It's just behind Castle Street as well. So on Castle Street, you've got like really nice restaurants and cocktail bars and stuff like that. So if you're in that area, it's definitely worth like yeah. pre-drinks or if you had a meal, go for a pint afterwards. It's it. It's lovely. It's for all ages. Like because when we said about your dad, where we'd gone, your dad said he knew the sort house. Yeah, so. there's, there's a few different. Like, it's cases well for everyone in yeah. there. And also that 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 pub probably plays sports. I know sports is generally a big thing when people oh, go yeah, to pubs. Yeah. Um, Do you have rugby on? Yeah. The first two pubs we mentioned, Pizza Cavanas and the Philharmonic. I don't know about the Philharmonic. Maybe they've got a TV in one room. I think they had it in one of the drinking rooms. But for the rest of it, they didn't. Yeah. Pizza Cavanas, I didn't see one TV in there. No. Which is is an, a, a welcoming refreshment. I like I like the fo- the idea of them not being a television because I I don't mind football but I'm not as big as you like like football so sometimes it's quite nice that there isn't yeah. sport on the telly. Yeah, especially when we went because there was no football on, so I didn't really care. Yeah, <laughs> if the football was on, we wouldn't have got you wouldn't have caught Josh in them pubs. You would have caught. You would have just not when the Liverpool match was exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> so. Moving on, we are going to be taking a five-minute walk from the slaughterhouse through onto Castle Street, past Liverpool Town Hall and onto Dale Street, where you'll turn left into Haken's Hay, and into potentially the oldest pub in Liverpool, Ye Hall in Ye Wall. This is my favourite pub ever. Is it? Yeah, I love it. It just I don't know if it's because I go with, when, I, when we go out, we go with my cousin, and I don't know if it's just like like a familiar type of, oh, I love it in here. And we've been in there with my granddad, but I don't know. I just love it. I just I like it. I get nice vibes in there, and I like I like it. They have tampons and stuff in the toilets ready for you as well, which I think is quite nice. Didn't for me. Well, no. It's <laughs> a bit out of order. And that. your toilets, are, my toilets are upstairs. Yours aren't, are they? No. So the pub itself dates back to the 1720s, and was probably doomed to have a paranormal connection from the very start. As you see, the cellar isn't where the cellar should be. The ale is actually on the first floor, as the building is in fact built on a Quaker burial site. Adding to its repertoire of potential ghostly guests, the victim of a brutal attack is still said to be present in the pub, seeing to his wounds. The exact 
era from which this spirit comes from is not certain, but it is estimated that they could be from around the early 1800s. This person is told to have been a Spanish sailor who, like many others, had travelled to Liverpool in their line of work to conduct business. On shore leave, the sailor had clearly gotten thirsty and decided to head to the pub. The usual friendly banter ensued and not long after, the Spaniard was challenged to a pub game by which a small wager was placed, just to make things interesting. The competition resulted in the visitor's victory, but when it came time for payment, the Spanish sailor refused to take the king's currency, the pound. Whether this be out of courtesy, showing that he was playing just for fun, or out of spite that he wouldn't be seen to have touched the currency, a fight ensued. A fight that resulted in the sailor being stabbed. It is not known if these wounds were the end of the sailor, or if he survived them, but clearly this traumatic part of his life had scarred his existence and he spends much of his afterlife retracing his steps of that fateful night. Another apparition that has been reported from the Ye Hole in Ye Wall is the that of an elderly man, although the difference between this spirit and the one from the Philharmonic is that he is said to navigate his way around the premises, albeit in a slow fashion. The story goes that the man can be seen shuffling across the pub, as many people do as there is only one way in and one way out. His identity and reason for staying are both unknown, and you may even mistake him for a mortal regular of the pub, if not for the very discreet telltale signs. For whatever reason, there are many people who spend their time in the pub, maybe out of loneliness, bitterness, addiction, or maybe a combination of the lot. But what you will notice with this spirit is that while he may fit that description, his appearance is ever so slightly outdated. And though he is dressed as an old man, but from a not far gone generation, his coat is worn and tatty, his pants are worn in a fashion that would suggest they were once his best attire but have became fatigued with from constant usage, and of course the soles of the shoes on the elderly man have seen better days as they very rarely see the light of day anymore due to the man's strength deteriorating so much so that he is reduced to shuffle rather than walk. His identity is unknown, but I think this may just be another example of a poor soul who for whatever reason has become trapped in a cycle of moving around the last place he was able to find some comfort. Oh, I just, I like that pub. I think it's just, they always decorate it for Halloween as well. Like, yeah. I know every pub do, but they like proper go on, go out. Yeah. Um, It's just nice. It's just nice in there. Yeah, it's, it's again, it, it, this one's got a bit more character to it. So, while you can see that in times gone past, it would have been segregated into different yeah. different rooms and had like different snugs and stuff. It's been opened out, but you can still see remnants of the separation. It's st- yeah, it's still separated, but you can still see people if you wanted to. Yeah, this pub does also play sports if you are yeah. so inclined. And the staff are nice, and you never meet a bad person in there really. Yeah. Everyone I've came across is always nice. And they serve scampi crisps which are fantastic in every way scampi fries scampi i don't give a fuck it was just <laughs> delicious there was a good few pints in at this point and that was just it was just immense it's nice and they have a little gym bar as well yeah a little gym bar <laughs> um couple of points on this one you were adamant to me that this was a bar that hit the drink. yeah yeah it isn't it isn't i've done the research 
The woman said the woman's behind the bar said Hitler used to drink in no, there. She's lying. I've done the research. Because we asked we asked her and she said yeah. Not we. I mean like me and my cousin. Mm, no, I've done research and apparently it's the post office, not the po- the old post office we went to. Yeah. There's a, ni- a different one, uh, quite close by to to Ye Hole and Ye Wall, but apparently that's where he drank. It wasn't this one. Oh. And apparently he drank in many pubs in Toxteth. Um, yeah. But no record that I can find of this pub. Oh, I'm a bit gutted now. But it has other paranormal aspects. I know, but I just thought, oh, this is the one that Hitler drank in. Not that I condone Hitler. It was just. Yeah, a bit of a historical yeah. relevance. Another interesting fact on this one. It did, they were taken down, but they used to have signs up in the uh, the men's toilets of um, I can't remember the exact word, but it was something gangs in operation in this area. Be wary. Oh, and yeah. essentially, what that was, I asked my granddad about this. And if you got too drunk during like the war or times of hostility, basically you would be taken by the navy put on a ship and that was your conscription oh my god you just got taken and put in the navy <laughs> that's a way to promote safe drinking isn't it yeah so you had to just essentially be in control because if you passed out you would be taken fair enough like the cleaning up the streets <laughs> clean up the streets protect the country makes sense to be fair <laughs> yeah but imagine you didn't your family were looking for you i, I imagine you get to write a letter back or something <laughs> eventually yeah eventually um so that was five pubs uh, that we went to. We could have done more. We stayed in the Pisa Cavanas and the Philharmonic for two drinks, whereas the others only had one. Yeah. Um, the first two, that, that was probably because we were early on in the day. Yeah. And we went there first and we were like, oh, yeah, let's have two drinks here. Yeah. But in fairness, Pisa Cavanas, I probably would have stayed there for a lot longer. I would have, yeah. Um, it is very nice. The Philharmonic, again, could have stayed there for a lot longer. Really cosy. We've been there before, though. So. Yeah. Um, but it is really nice. I really like it in there. The furniture is nice as mm. well. But I think what we're going to do in future is we will do more of these type of things. Yeah. Um, maybe not necessarily just pubs, but generally walking around or, or, or focusing in on a specific area of the city. Yeah. Well, tomorrow we're going to Newsham Park. Yeah, so we're doing a, an event at Newsham Park, which we will, I guess we'll talk about at some point. Yeah, but not not new. We've done about Newsham Park, haven't we, well, Newsham? Yeah, so this, is a, this isn't specifically about no. Newsham Park, the event. It is horror-related and paranormal-related. Yeah. But it's not, I don't think, generally about the, the, the history of it's Newsham like Park. It's like a spooky maze or something, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. And in the future, we're going to do more of these things. Maybe not even just Liverpool. If we go and visit somewhere, we'll do some research. We'll go go and have a look around. A little pub crawl around Scotland or something. Uh, that would be a that very would be big a pub bit, crawl. That would be an amazing pub crawl, though. need a lot of time. Yeah. But yeah. You won't be able to drive, though. Yeah, so we'd have to stay everywhere we want. <laughs> Easy. Holiday. <laughs> but thank you very much for listening. Make sure you go and look at the pictures we put up on social media, which will be Instagram at Cemetery. X, formerly known as Twitter, at AX the Cemetery, and we're on TikTok at Across the Cemetery. No, we're on TikTok at AX the Cemetery. Which one's Across the Cemetery? Instagram. Instagram is <laughs> at Across the Cemetery. My apologies. You can also send us an email if you feel so inclined. We are across the cemetery at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a review, that would be very beneficial for the podcast. But we would also like to know what you think about us or if you've got any horror 
pub recommendations. That would also be lovely. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.